We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers have won a couple games in a row. And in today's pod, we're going to talk about how they can keep that going. They got a pair of games this weekend. Uh, Next time you hear from us will be after the Cleveland game. We have a game against Utah on Friday night as well. This Utah game is, I think, the first game that we've played against a team that was at least not expected to be in the playoff hunt. Now, They've started certainly a lot better than expected. And then Cleveland is a Sunday afternoon game at 1230 local time. So those games are always a little bit funky. But at this point of the season, I'm a little bit I'm a lot more focused on who we are and who are we we are becoming. And it's a lot less about the other team, Mike. And as we go through the season and especially come playoff time, it becomes more about the individual matchup and all of that. But uh, I'm curious to the birthday boy. Happy birthday, Mike Trudell. What do the Lakers need to do to keep it going? Well, thanks, Pete. <laughs> I think uh, you're echoing a lot of what Darvin Ham, especially, has been saying early in the season. And most of the times that he's saying it, it's in response to my trying to sneak a pregame question in about the opponent, because that's always the time you know, to see if there's it's just interesting to me if there's something particular that a coach brings up about what the other team does. And I think that he's he and the Lakers and the players are right to be just more about figuring out what they're doing. And sometimes last season uh, in we, uh, we talked about Frank Vogel a lot and I thought Frank Vogel was great overall, but there were times where it was just trying to win that, that night's game and what lineup is going to work against this specific team. And, you know, it might be big. It might be small in one time. It might have a different rotation. And I think Darvin is trying to take more of the approach of this is what we do. This is the style we're going to play. Let's make the opponent adjust some more to us. And I think that both of those philosophies can work. uh, But for this new team with all these new players, I I think that the way that Darvin is approaching it does make some sense. And so when you look at Utah, Darius, they are winning games mostly right now from the games that I've watched. I've watched three or four of them. They're just playing really hard they're playing with house money they're all players oh you guys thought we were castaways 
you want to you want to put us on this team fine we're gonna kick your ass like it's a very disparate parts but united i'm sure you have Mm -hmm. some metaphor for that so (laughs) i've enjoyed watching them but it's it's a game where the lakers have to just meet that energy and they have had good energy like that that's been i think the reason why the defense is up where it is because they're playing with good collective energy and that's the biggest thing right now that utah has had over the teams that they've beaten it isn't necessarily an advantage in the post or uh, they do have some good shooting and spacing, but that to me is the, is the key in this one. So it's the Lakers energy, but that has kind of been what Darvin Ham has been preaching. Yeah, man, the jazz, they are a, um, they're an NBA version of the old school movie, uh, major league. Right. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's the story of like a, basically, uh, a, a major league baseball team that essentially wanted to tank. They wanted to take for a variety of reasons, but they wanted to lose games and the players tremendous, were like, tremendous movie. It is from 1989. But it is yep. a tremendous movie. And it, one, I, one of my I favorite sports movies of all time. Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite sports movies. Right. And so a team that was built to lose, but the guy sort of found their camaraderie and they had their specific talents. The guy who was really fast and can steal some bases, the guy who could only hit home runs, the guy who who needed glasses in order to throw his his. 100 miles per hour fastball right down the middle, right? Like (laughs) like all of these little quirky things. And in a sense, that's the jazz, right? They are the island of misfit toys. They are the guys who were given away and these, like you said, Mike, disparate parts that were pulled, pulled together in order to just go out there and compete. And those guys, I think the common theme amongst them is that they, a lot of those guys do have that sort of competitive spirit. We saw that with Clarkson, uh, when when he was here with with the Lakers, Colin Sexton has sort of built his brand on on that idea. And then guys like Jared Vanderbilt and Mike Marketing. Conley as a good veteran and Kelly Olynyk as a dude who is just like, hey, I, like, I'm just here to play like hat backwards. So sort of like like this is what I do sort sort of player. And, and so I'll be interested to see if the Lakers bring that same requisite energy because one of the things that I think the Jazz are going to be able to get get away with all season, there's going to be all season they're they're going to be able to get get away with this is that they are teams are not going to look at them as whatever their record is, right? And so the Jazz are six and three. They will never be viewed as like, oh, you're the number three team in the Western Conference. We're coming mm-hmm. in here to kick your butt. Right. They will never have that. And the Lakers, meanwhile, they could be two and five like they are now. And every team is going to look at them like they're the number three team in the Western Conference and teams are coming in there to kick their butt. Right. And so the psychological game, Pete, is something that in this contest, the Lakers are going to have to flip it. And they've been. Very good recently, I think, at pulling their own energy and looking inward and saying, this is what we need need to do. And honestly, this jazz game might be the first game where on paper they allow themselves to look at the other side and be like, oh, well, we're better than them. Mm -hmm. But to speak to your early point, Pete. Darwin needs to continue to turn that focus inward and like, what can we be? Because once Mm -hmm. they start to look at the other team and start to feel any sort of thing good about themselves, which I'm not saying they shouldn't have self self pride, but you know what, what I mean, that that's when things can start to go awry. And last season's team was full of that vibe. Yes, that was the they were the king 
of that vibe and getting all of that out of their system is super important to me. And that's sort of what the jazz game is like to me. It's, it's just like, no, 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 no. Forget who you're playing, go out there and play your style and, and see how that is going to work. Yeah, on some level, the idea that the two and five Lakers should be looking past the six and three Utah Jazz is like silly on its face. But you're absolutely right in that they are the first team that we could look at and be like, oh, yeah, we should we should get this one because we've we had a very the first seven games, you know, were all playoff teams. They were all teams that I think were projected to be in that in that space. And so this is a great test of that idea of. Who are we? Because if you can develop that sort of we play hard every night, we play focused every night as a function is of who we are, like we don't know how to play anyway else. That's something that can really carry you throughout the course of a season and something that I thought was indicative of the 2020 and the 2021 team, which had a great deal of injury issues, but kind of kept the boats afloat to some degree when LeBron and AD at sometimes both of them were out. And so That to me is a really important foundation. How the Utah matchup is super interesting to me, though, is that they're the first team that we've played that also doesn't have a headliner on the first page of the scouting report. Kind of the way that they're going to attack, the way they're going to score between Markinen and Beasley and Olenek, and it's more distributed. JC, they've got several guys that can score. And so that's something that's always fascinating to me, Mike, is when you go up against that team that doesn't have that Jokic, Steph, Kawhi, right, that headliner type of guy, how do you approach that defensively? And I've been thrilled with, with Darvin. I would love to have a whole pod on him in the very near future. But that's one of the adjustments for an uh, for an uh, a young head coach is that in the moment type of decision making where the problem that you have to solve is less obvious on a team that is a little more balanced like that so i think this is an interesting game for darvin as well in terms of how he reacts to that yeah it is I, so from a field goal attempts perspective it's balanced too you've got markinen's taking 16 shots clarkson's taking 15 and Malik Beasley's taking 10 and then there are five players taking between like six and nine so it's just it's coming from all over they're sharing the ball uh, despite being guys that you could you could figure are trying to show that they should be the ones either getting playing time or getting moved on at some point once Utah goes into what everybody expects Danny Ainge to do but that hasn't been so far and I guess if there is a guy to focus on then for me, it would be marketing because he's the he's been the one that's the matchup problem. He's been the one that's playing on the perimeter. He's taken six threes a game, even though he's not shooting them well. He's getting them off quickly, uh, which means the defense is going to have to rotate to it. And he's like taking one dribble to the rim on up fakes and throwing in reverse dunks. He's he's just been better than I think people realize. And he's probably one that that jumps off when you're actually watching the film on him. So I'm curious to see where they start with a player like that because, you know, AD in a sense has been just playing that drop in the center, but then he'll get out in certain guys. LeBron has been playing the four defensively, but Markinen is, is probably too high usage to use LeBron there. And then everybody else is too small. You can't really guard him with Troy Brown. So I, I almost do go back to AD then. And then, you know, does LeBron just basically guard Olenek if he starts on the perimeter? So it's it's interesting in this sense as to Utah. I think that's one of the reasons why they're good is that they're, they're, uh, they're not playing that traditional big and they are pretty spread out and they are um, kind of running up and down. So Darius with the Lakers in a smaller lineup, 
predict as we would predict with AD at the five. How do you feel like that matches up with that Utah front court? So it's interesting that you were talking about AD defending Markinen because I actually think the Lakers are going to put Troy Brown on Me him. Me too. And I think LeBron will likely guard Olenek and that AD will guard Vanderbilt. That's a good call. So then he's not, AD's not really guarding anybody in a sense. He's more kind of like guard, making sure Vanderbilt doesn't dunk, but helping on everyone else kind of in his drop. Yeah, I also think too. So the interesting thing, and so when Pete was talking about how the Jazz don't have a headliner sort, sort of guy and that first page of the scouting report guy, my mind went to the old coaching phrase of KYP, right? And so... Which is, know, which is know your personnel. And that idea of KYP is just like, okay, well, who are you closing out on? How do you close out on them? What are their pet moves? And there is a detail-oriented approach to scouting within KYP that is, I think, comes out most in like a playoff situation, right? Where you play a team over and over and over again and all of the nuance that exists within this player's game, you are... That stuff is drilled down into over and over and over again so that you are supposed to know it cold. You know when KYP is rarely a thing, Pete? In game eight of the regular season, right? There's not a lot (laughs) of like, oh, well, these are the pet moves of this guy or these are like all of the nuances of these sets and the jazz play into that by running like inverted screen and rolls or like mm-hmm. here's Kelly Olynyk handling the ball and who's screening for him Mike Conley or Jared Vanderbilt and they put their bigs as ball handlers and they do wonky stuff and mm-hmm. it's how they win right and, and so I am very interested in what the defensive matchups are because a I don't think LeBron should be guarding Jared Vanderbilt I don't want LeBron guarding the highest motor big that is on the other team and I don't necessarily want him chasing Laurie Markkinen around Mm -hmm. coming off screens off of pin downs getting put into ball handling situations with with screen and rolls lebron can do that and maybe in the last five minutes of of a close game he will right but pete when i think of like defensive matchups i'm almost always building out my defensive matchups off of like who is lebron going to defend and some Mm -hmm. nights that is going to be a high usage high volume wing that you're like sorry lebron like this is the best dude for you because we need you to do this on defense in this case i think olinix probably the best answer out of things that there's still things that olinix is going to do that i don't necessarily want lebron having to defend dribble handoff fakes all of this stuff that olinix is good at right but where are you at in terms of the defensive matchups and, and how how do you do a do you think that like what I'm projecting is sort of on point and B how do you see a D then coming alive if he's the guy who was on Vanderbilt and what that means for the Lakers yeah from that uh that KYP perspective well actually let me answer your question first so in terms of the matchups I actually do think LeBron's gonna end up on Vanderbilt although I do agree with your argument and the reason for that is I think AD is usually going to defend the primary screen setter so because to get into those drops to kind of get into the structure of what our defense is built to be and it's more about where we are rather than where the other team is although Utah challenges this and I'll talk about that in a sec that in a second having AD defending that primary screen setter is less 
less about him defending that guy as it is defending their overall defense and whoever their primary ball handler is. And so as a result, I think that will get that AD Olenek type of matchup. Now, a guy like Olenek is a pick and pop guy. Markkinen can stretch the floor, although his scoring to a great degree this season has not been from the perimeter. He started out fairly cold from three, but has found a way to be a good scorer in other aspects. And so I think that that just kind of leaves Vanderbilt for LeBron. And while I agree that I don't want him necessarily chasing a guy around, it also, he's less of the guy that you have to close out to, which is keeps LeBron more around the basket. LeBron is a great read the play that's in front of him. And if he doesn't have to really worry about the guy that he's guarding, he's just a really remarkable team defender. So I, I, I get the kind of the point on that, but I think that's probably how the matchups work out. But from that KYP, know your personnel type of standpoint, that applies to our own personnel at this point. And this is kind of one of my overriding uh, things that I'm trying to get at is that like, I sort of know Troy, Troy Brown's game at this point and Lonnie Walker and all the new guys. And this is true of Darvin Ham as well. Well, obviously, he knows a way better than we do. But that idea of knowing your personnel, the first part of the season for a new team is knowing your own personnel. And I think that every game we're adding something that kind of works. I've really been thrilled with our passing and our assists and just kind of ball movement. We had some plays in the last game that where the ball kind of pinged around and ended with like Troy Brown and Lonnie Walker on the weak side and a one by two and someone getting a nice open three in rhythm. Russ facilitated a lot of this as well. And so that's something to me that regardless of it's Utah, Cleveland, regardless of the defensive matchups, the knowing your personnel is for me, Mike, more of a an us thing at this point, even though you obviously have to match up with the team that's across from you. Yeah, and I would just point, I think the big, the big difference from last year now in you in this part that has to do with the energy, but you've got Walker and Brown who are excited to be out there, who are running, like who are hitting the glass, you know, just doing things out there. And that's that to me is a big difference. And that's been helpful. So part of them now knowing what they are, because we all know about LeBron and AD, and they have now figured out Russ going to the bench, and that leaves these two wings, um, even if at times a bit undersized compared to some teams, right? Uh, they have their strengths, and they have their things that do seem to fit into what – and that's why Darvinham identified them pretty quickly. So I've been encouraged by what those two are doing, and I think that that can bode well – Almost regardless of what the matchup is, like in this case, it's not ideal that Brown's going to have to guard one of those three um, mm-hmm. that Utah has, but he'll do things that like rebound on the defensive side of the glass, especially he'll do things that make up for whatever that size is. Um, and even like all the basket cuts that he made, that was not something so good. right that I was necessarily expecting from Brown based on how he played in Chicago last year. You can go back to some Wizards tape and see some of those instincts. But like that was a big difference in what those units were doing. And Russ was finding him. So uh, little encouraging morsels we keep seeing from Brown and from Walker. That's a great point about Brown. The cutting has been fantastic. But Pete, I did want to ask you quickly. So who is AD guarding in this scenario? Is AD on Olenek then? And then I'm assuming Lonnie is on Clarkson. They've really been trying to leverage Lonnie's athleticism against like another athletic guy. And so Pat Bev on Conley? That sounds about right, because like what I've seen with with Pat Bev is that the quicker guys can give him some issues. But that's what Lonnie has been really great at. Like Lonnie had, what, 28 the other night, but 
quiet is kept. He held CJ McCollum. He was the primary matchup on CJ to like a 10 for 27 night. It wasn't all Lonnie, but his ability to kind of heat up those scores and those types of guys, what a like what a godsend it's been for the defense because that's something that Pat Bev just can't really do as much at this point at his age, but a 24-year-old Lonnie Walker certainly can. Mike Walker had that super impressive block in the three, like of, I, I want to say it was a CJ three, like in the corner where he just sort of elevated and got a piece of the shot. And I was just like, oh my, like, how did he even get to that? Because McCollum sort of had that locked and loaded and you typically don't see a CJ McCollum take a jumper that isn't open. Like he's just crafty that way. And so he finds a way to get his shot off. So the fact that he thought he had a clean one and then he didn't, it, mm-hmm. it's indicative of sort of the athleticism that Walker can bring defensively. And he's been deploying that for Darvin, I think. Yeah, I think that summarizes it well enough that I don't have to follow up. I want to just bring in yet another thing to this. Kendrick Nunn being out of the rotation, at least for that second half, is he coming back in with Utah having some more smaller guards that they're going to play? Does Matt Ryan get back in? You know, so that part's interesting to me as well, Pete. Let's take a break and come back and talk about that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So the point that you brought up uh, about last year's team, Mike, about how there were a lot of times on a night to night basis where we were just trying to win that game. I think part of that was because the version of trying to be who we were didn't work. And this was a big thing that I was railing against is that we were trying to be a big team when we were supposed to be a small team. And that's, it's funny because I thought this year we were going to be a big team, but no, it's a small team also based on the roster that we have and all of the smaller players that we have. And so you end up kind of chasing the team that you're playing that night, which is going to change from one night to another. But I don't anticipate a great deal of rotation changes on a game to game type of basis at this point. Like I think that they've found something actually let's talk a little Matt Ryan. We haven't talked any Matt Ryan yet. And he's actually not only on the team, he's in the rotation at this point. Like you said, none is out. Jones is out with as bad as the shooting has been to start out the season. 
this is something that he has a certain level of perimeter gravity. There are holes in his game elsewhere, but hit that big shot the other night. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on Matt Ryan, who's kind of emerged as this rotation guy that we didn't expect him to. So a little backstory here. I was watching the game and we talked about this the other pod that I was not happy towards the end of the game. And my wife had come into the bedroom and she had sort of seen the look on my face when at one point the lead was a lot when she came in. And then the next time she came in the room and the Lakers were down by three points. And Oh, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. We've been together a long time. She knows that that sort of question at that particular time is probably Uh, probably a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. That's not advisable at that point. (laughs) So when she left the room, she actually closed the door, which I took that as like, (laughs) oh man, I must not be really having a good time here. And so she came back in and then at the end of the game and she was in the room when Ryan hit that three to tie the game. And I didn't yell out because my kids had just gone to bed. And so I didn't want to go all crazy. But oh yeah, what's the Darius reaction there? Is that a fist pump? Like what's the mouth agape, really? Because even the form on that shot, you could tell he had to load it higher because he was mm-hmm. really trying to avoid a swipe down, like crafty stuff from, from Ryan Mike. He looked down at his feet to make sure he wasn't out of bounds and he was behind the line. A lot of just like high level sort of like understanding of the moment stuff from Matt Ryan there. Anyways, Ryan bombs a three and then I'm talking to my wife and I said, yeah, you know, I said, you could tell with this guy that the coaches have told him that his light is always green. It doesn't mm-hmm. turn yellow. It doesn't turn red. It is always green, Mike. And Ryan, the thing about him is that, and we talked about this the other day in terms of the coaches infusing you with confidence and trusting you to do the thing. And Darvin has been, he's been on this Matt Ryan train very early. Mike, he, he basically was just like after the preseason game that I saw you at in, in uh, the Bay area, Ryan had a big night against the Warriors and Darvin was just like, he may have just gotten himself a contract. And Rob Polico is probably just like, wait, did the head coach <laughs> just say what I think that he just said? Did he just give a guy our 15th roster spot? Like we kind of maybe wanted to keep that one open, but Darvin got his shooter and now he has been deploying him and Pete and Mike he has been deploying him in a way where early on it was a little clunky, like, oh, look at all these small guards and Matt Ryan, like this group can't defend. But he's been surrounding Ryan with enough defense. Yes. And he's been using him in lineups where his shooting is going to be optimized and it's been working. And so you got some good upfront FaceTime with Matt when he was, you you know, like, hey, talking about like, I feel like LeBron because here's the big crowd in front of my locker. But he has the right mentality, I think, to be a rotation player. He knows his job and he is out there trying to do it to the best of his ability. And he's just going to keep firing away, it seems like. And how he does that is so interesting because once Schroeder comes back and at some point none has to start playing better. Right. Like we know that he's been better than he's been so far. So I'm not sure you're going to play Mike. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, I think he had the crack at it. And I think someone might have to get hurt for none to get back in the rotation. Well, the, the NBA is just, you know, this. Sure. the NBA season is yes, very long yes, yes. and stuff yeah. happens. And so there, that is not the last chance that he's going to get, but shooters coming back. Brian's coming back. If Brian comes back, dude, does he assume some of Gabriel's minutes and Gabriel? I've been another thing I've been encouraged by. He clearly was playing better than Jones. 
and they clearly needed some additional size and athleticism, especially in those LeBron units. So there, I just, Pete, I think the encouraging part for us is that Darwin seems to be making the types of choices that, how should I phrase this? You like to make uh, the type, the rotation changes that you like, because I know because of my, <laughs> the text thread, and we usually agree on this on this kind of stuff, by the way, but I know it's something you, that you spend inordinate amounts of time on. And if, and if Darwin is just making all of the types of choices that you like, uh, then, hey, we can focus on other things in the text thread. Yes, forgive me for being overbearing last year. So last year, I'd never been like that in any other season. I have, you know, the Overton window is there's like an acceptable, sure. you know, degree of conversation within this window and then topics outside of it. Right. So I have kind of my own Overton window for coaches that I think I know you guys may disagree, but I think mine is pretty broad. Like there are especially on teams like last year's team and this year's team. There's so many different versions of them that could work. And you got these kind of similarly talented players. But what I thought happened last year was that Frank had an idea for this is the type of team I want a championship with and tried to force guys that are not that into that type of style and that type of play. Whereas I think that what Darwin's actually doing with this year's team is he has his theories, he has his hypotheses, but then watching it play out, he's watching the tape and being like, okay, well, we do need to surround Matt Ryan with more defense in these lineups. And all of a sudden, his perimeter gravity is is helping out all of these other players. And then all of these other players are helping cover for him on defense. And you just have him like put him in situations defensively where it's like, just do your job and you've got help on the way. That's one of the things that we have, D, that a lot of teams don't have is we have that guy that can take away two things in Anthony Davis. We have a defensive genius in LeBron, who I think his superstardom this year has been even more on the defensive end than it's been on the offensive end so far. And so those are the types of things from that coaching perspective, why I've been so excited about him is I'm not seeing Darvin make the same mistakes game after game after game. And there's no like starting Avery Bradley in game 50 something when you've got Malik Monk and Austin Reeves on the roster. There's not like he has his thoughts and he has his idea on the overall structure, but he's got some flexibility within that. I've been really encouraged by to be fair to Frank. I think what has been super helpful to Darvin is that there has been rotation certainty on on his team where Dennis and Tom. Like Dennis and TB have been out since before the season. AD has been questionable a couple of times with his back, but pretty much that's been that's been the injury report. Like the guys who have been available to play have been available to play. The guys who have not have not. And of course, and the he he always seemed to have just enough of what he needed in order to be like a like I can field these functional groups that actually work together and go that route where I'd be much more interested in seeing where things went is if actually all seven of those guards were actually available to play at the same same mm. time and if TB like because there was choice overload in the preseason a little bit and and heading into the season and we even commented in the text thread and even on the pod that injuries sort of whittled down the rotation in a way where this may not be the best group of players that is available because I think that I actually think that Dennis can be useful that Thomas Bryant mm. can be super useful but it did take 
minutes out of the rotation and sort of say like, hey, okay, well, now there actually are only nine or 10 guys that should be playing on any given night. And Darwin has done a good job at coming to the conclusions of these are the nine or 10 guys that actually should play. And so that's where the credit is Darwin, like full 100%, where it's just like, hey, he decided, no, I'm going to Wenyan here, like, or I've given none his chances. And like, it's not quite there. So I'm going to lean on Russ a little bit more. And I'm going to turn to Matt Ryan and hey, Austin, you're playing three or four more minutes a night. And even without JTA here, I think that he's basically just been like, hey, we're giving these minutes to Troy Brown. Like we're going to extend Lonnie here. And those guys are going to play 28, 32 minutes instead of being 22 to 25 minute guys. And he's basically been like, these are the guys I trust. And these are the guys I'm going to play. And it's been super useful for building continuity for a team that had zero of that coming into the season. So credit to him for finding the path, because that is an important thing. I mentioned Brown and Walker a couple times, but to put JTA into this mix as well, and this is part of what I think Darius was just getting at. JTA w- came to this team in part because he saw that absence on the wing, uh, especially of guys that had some size. And I would argue that his agent or w- whether it was him or his agent, same thing with Troy Brown. That's a great type of a call. That's a great type of situation mm-hmm. to go in because now in, now JTA got hurt. And I think that made this decision a little bit easier. But Brown, of course, provides some shooting um, that JTA doesn't, even though JTA, I think, still has some some a lot to give and some functional things in a bench spot. But now you're Troy Brown and you're starting and you're looking pretty good in that spot. And you're starting next to LeBron and AD and you're getting open shots. And it's just it's a very this is kind of what we were thinking in the offseason. They don't have the money. But they do have the opportunity to get somebody in there that has that can see themselves getting to a different spot in their career. And right now, the it's two guys. It's Lonnie Walker, um, who they did have to use a little bit more for. And it's Troy, uh, these two 23-year-olds, first-round picks, mm-hmm. that just didn't fit in their own situations th- that they were drafted into for whatever reason, or d- at least didn't fit well enough to stay. And now that you know for darvin it's this mix of pete of, pete of things that darius just said but then also they do sort of work uh, in that context and then will they get will their seat get taken at some point by somebody else i it's harder to see that based just on what the fit is now uh, but i also don't think that you just discard jta but if you don't that means that matt ryan's going to be playing less or when uh-huh. gabriel and so it's there are and some of these things will take care of themselves it's just the I guess I'm, my point is that there, it does seem a little bit settled with the starting group now, it um, does? and with Russ leading that with with leading that second group, at least settled enough to give them some time to to develop some cohesion and to keep pushing that forward. Yeah, it's certainly settled for like the time being, especially when more things need to get settled. Whenever you can find a couple of things that that clicks right away, like I was saying the other day, you know, Troy Brown hits four threes and gets eight rebounds in his first start. Like you, sir, are hired. You have this spot for the time being while we figure out what the rest of the team is. And like you said, it's not a permanent thing. It's not written in pen. But when you have so many things to figure out, the couple of things that work out right away, D, right? It's a super helpful basis to go off of. No, it's like, oh, I got to go to this new new restaurant. And oh, it was really tasty. Guess what? Next week, we're going back, right? Uh Because like I found a new spot. It sounds great. And that's been Troy Brown so far right i i will be interested to see what happens when dennis comes back specifically because i i have a post that's up right now at silver screen screen and roll it's on patrick beverly um Uh 
And I thought my analysis was pretty fair and nuanced on Beverly, but he's been helpful defensively in ways that I think Mike was outlining the last pod. And I think the team has actually defended really well with Beverly on the floor, even if some of Beverly's individual stuff, I think has not been to the level that we've been used to seeing him from, but he's so Mm -hmm. smart and he's so understanding of what the team scheme is that he's been very helpful as I think a Mm -hmm. help defender and as someone who just knows what, what he's doing, but he's been very poor offensively. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see how Dennis specifically is reintegrated into the lineup because they have found a place for Russ that works. Mm-hmm. And now if Russ is coming off the bench, what is Dennis's role? Right? If Beverly is going to be the starter, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think Lonnie has sort of cemented his way into the starting lineup as well in a very similar way to Troy Brown. Like he is competing defensively. He offers that athletic pop Pete that you mentioned that Mm -hmm. really no one else has besides LeBron and AD on the entire roster. But Lonnie is what, like 24, right? So, so he's bringing that level much higher than what LeBron and AD are at this stage of of their careers and then brown is just that swiss army knife that does a little bit of everything he does yeah. it all at a baseline level of of effectiveness and that's a difficult thing to then jettison to the bench especially at 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 his size and so austin continues to play well he closed the other night like mm-hmm. russ famously did not close but austin did and Pat Bev did and Lonnie Walker did. And so you could see where Austin is in the hierarchy as well. So I'll be interested to see what happens with Dennis. Um, I think we should get an update on him physically next week at some point because we'll be at that three week mark from from mm-hmm. when the original injury was well, was diagnosed and when he had his surgery. So there's a lot of changes that are potentially on the horizon, but there is mm-hmm. a there's a foundation that the team has been building. And so incorporating those changes into that found foundation is another test for Darvin Ham come coming up. So um, I'm interested to see how that plays out against the Jazz, how that plays out against Cleveland on Sunday, and then what that projects to be next week as well. Yeah, there's a, it's one of those things too that when you go beyond like the individual players, I think from a coach's perspective, it's like, hey, we found a group that works. We've found a couple of groups that work. And like JTA the other day, he was active. He was just a DNP. And then you've got Thomas Bryant coming into that mix. Dennis, as you said as well, we have several players that certainly have a case to make to get playing time. Now, this is part of the reason why I think that your 11-15 through your 11 through 15 is important because if we have role players go, going down, there is very likely to be somebody that like I'm totally good with JTA getting minutes, totally good with Dennis or TB getting minutes. We've got even, a, you know, none. Right. He's going to get his chance again, that type of thing. And so I think there are going to be fewer nights where it's like, hey, like half the guys that we played tonight are not really NBA players. And that happened a lot last season. And there is no way of coaching around that. But I do think that finding groups that work together is something that we've made a great deal of progress on. And we do have some interesting decisions coming up as guys come back. But I do think that it's that that we're going to build off of those. Hey, this group of five has worked well together. We're going to build off of it. So should be a fun weekend. Let's keep it going. Let's get a couple wins. I'd love to talk about four straight. We didn't get into the Cleveland game. They're a really interesting team. I think we'll talk more about on Monday. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. 
Jones has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.